Years ago, I was uh, introduced to or reminded of, I don't remember which, that song in uh, Dr. Nettle's church history class. He was lecturing along, and all of a sudden he decides something prompted him to sing that song. He decides to break out in a line of that song, and then he sort of stopped midway, and he pointed at Kevin Smith in the back. Some of you may know Dr. Smith. And Kevin Smith picks up the line and sings out the rest of the line. It was really a a great moment. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we want to heed this call to come. And Lord, we also want to be those who issue the call to come to all who are poor and needy because Jesus is full of pity and love and power to save. Lord, we pray that you would cause our hearts to burn this morning. We pray that you would cause us to feel overwhelming love for you and sincere love for our lost friends and neighbors. And Father, we ask that that you would make us so overwhelmed by your mercy that we must act, we must communicate the goodness of the gospel. Lord, we pray that you do this for the glory of the Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I would invite you to turn this morning to Romans chapter 10. And we'll be looking at Romans 10, verses 14 through 21. And as you're turning there, I want to read to you Romans 15, verse 4, where Paul says, Whatever was written in former days, and he's talking about the Old Testament. He says, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. And here's what I think Paul means. Uh, the ladies in their ladies' Bible study, they're, they're looking at the book of Joshua. And if you've been working through our yearly Bible reading plan, you, you're near the end of the Pentateuch, I think, at this point. And um, what you will have seen over and over again, from uh, the exodus from Egypt to the crossing of the Red Sea, and now if you're in the ladies' Bible study, ladies, uh, the taking of the city of Jericho, you will have seen these impossible moments, these moments when the people of Israel come up against something, and it looks like, well, there's just not any bread out here. (laughs) Well, God puts manna on the ground in the morning, and there's nothing for us to drink. Well, God tells Moses to talk to a rock, and all of a sudden water is flowing out of that rock, and well, there's this body of water between us, and And the Egyptians are coming, and God splits the sea. And now Jericho's walls are standing. Well, those walls are going to fall down. And I think what we're meant to learn from this is every time we run up against a difficulty in the cause of of Christ, every time we run up against something difficult in our own character as we're trying to be conformed to the image of Christ, that through the encouragement of the Scriptures, I think we're supposed to learn something like this. Huh, this is going to be good. The Lord is about to do something that's going to be awesome. The Lord is about to overcome in such a way that he's going to get it done. Through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, confident hope. He's going to do it. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do it. In light of this passage, I looked up some statistics, and, and I... I I want to repent 
for not being more, more mindful of these things on a more com- consistent basis. But praise God, the, the Word, uh, the Scriptures takes us through, brings us to a passage like this, gives, us an oppor- gives me an opportunity to repent, gives us an opportunity to repent, gives us an opportunity to recommit ourselves to the things that we need to be committed to. There are 7,101, according to the Joshua Project, unreached people groups in the world. That is 3.19 billion people unreached. There are another 1,200 minimally reached people groups in the world. There are another 1,796 superficially reached people groups in the world. All those billions and millions of people who have no viable church, less than 2% evangelicals. And then there are another, uh, of, of, those, of those groups, 3,160 of those unreached groups are also unengaged, which means there's not even a mission group trying to get there. Now, uh, this is overwhelming information. I mean, I think the task is massive. The task looks like the walls of Jericho. The task looks like the Red Sea. And look around. We're this little small church with not a lot of money and not a lot of people. And we should respond the same way that an Israelite with a circumcised heart who, let's see, has seen the Exodus, seen the Red Sea, seen the manna and the water, and then he, you know, let's say that it's Caleb and Joshua. I think Caleb and Joshua walked into that land. They saw the giants in the land. They came back and they said, this land is ours. God is going to give it to us. The Lord can do this. Now, I'm not saying we're going to get it all done in a generation, but the task is massive and our God is sufficient. The gospel is good enough for this. This week, our our family, we saw the musical Hamilton. Maybe, maybe you've listened to the music. If you haven't listened to the music, I would recommend Hamilton, Amer- an American musical. Get the clean version and just ignore some other language that comes through. It's okay. It's a great musical. Um, it's fabulous. And, and one of the great things about this musical is that there's this camaraderie that is portrayed beautifully between Alexander Hamilton and John Lawrence and uh, uh, Monsieur de Lafayette. So, so they have this great friendship that is all, it's all feeding into their common cause, this common task that they want to bring liberty. They want to bring freedom from British tyranny. Re- the best relationships are forged in a common cause. And we have a greater cause than the founding of this country. We have an opportunity to forge relationships based on mutual self-sacrifice, based on shared commitment, based on, you know, there's, it's, there's nothing like getting your hands dirty with people. It's one of the things that makes our church workdays great. You get to sweat with people, and, and it makes you look over there and love those people. And we have this massive task of the Great Commission trying to make disciples of all nations that we can all engage in together. We can all join in this cause together. And, and I think that if we'll do this, if we'll, be, if we'll be all committed to the cause together, and please hear me, this doesn't mean everybody needs to pick up and go. This doesn't mean everybody needs to even think about picking up and go. But I'm going to go through, as we proceed through this passage, various ways that we can all be involved in this. If we will all be committed to the cause, 
if we will have a shared goal and a shared agenda, it will forge relationships among us that will be the envy of Alexander Hamilton and John Lawrence and Monsieur de Lafayette. It will be glorious. We will love one another because of this great overarching goal that we're engaged in. And, and it's, it's the goal that the Lord Jesus himself has given to us. So we come to Romans 10, and uh, where we've been, as, as we've been discussing, Paul has been talk, answering the question, how is it that the people of Israel got cut off from Christ? End of Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Anticipated question, what about the people of Israel? Something looks to have separated them. And Paul's got a, a many-layered answer. One aspect of the answer is those people who were cut off from Christ, God did not choose them before the foundation of the world. Another part of the answer is those people, so God is sovereign over their destiny, but those people did not call on the name of the Lord. They did not trust him. They tried to earn it by works. They tried to earn God's favor. You can't do that. So there's a divine sovereignty aspect of the answer. There's a human responsibility aspect of the answer. And as Paul talks about this human responsibility side of the thing, he, sa- he gets to Romans 10 verse 13, and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you know, we believe that here. We believe everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is stupendous. That is amazing. Every, I don't care who they are. They could be the most, they could be the Apostle Paul, the arch persecutor. They could be someone who feels urges and desires that are all askew, all twisted and perverted. And they could call on the name of the Lord and all that stuff. They could begin to recognize those things and it all starts to get straightened out. Because not all at once, but because the right things are in place now. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And at this point, in Romans 10, 14, it's almost like Paul has to answer the question, how is it that people get justified by faith? How do they come to call on the name of the Lord for salvation? And so what he's going to do in Romans 10, 14 through 17 is explain the connection between hearing and and believing. And then in 10, 18 through 21, he's going to point to some Old Testament indicators that though Israel heard, the non-elect among Israel did, would not believe. The Old Testament points already in that direction. So Paul is continuing to explain Jewish unbelief. In Romans 9, he was dealing with God's sovereignty over their unbelief. At 9.30 and now into chapter 10, he's explaining the human responsibility side of this equation. And and here, he's going to take up how it is that someone comes to, as he says in 10.9, believe with the heart and be justified and then confess with the mouth to be saved. So in 10.14 through 17... What Paul is going to address is the way that hearing the gospel produces faith. Hearing the gospel produces faith. This is such a liberating truth. This is what Paul said in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel itself, the message, is the power of God for salvation. I'm not saying that the words are some sort of magical incantation, you know, that does a magic trick and brings something about, but it's, it's almost like that. 
where somebody hears the good news and God's Holy Spirit makes them alive and they begin to be transformed into the image of Jesus and they believe what they've, been, what they've heard. So hearing the gospel produces faith. So look at Romans 10, verse 14. Paul says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Okay, so this is what 10.13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 10.14, well, they're not going to call if they don't believe. And then he keeps, keeps working back through this. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? You notice Paul is aware that there are people in the world. Lots and lots and lots of people in the world who have never heard the gospel. And I think the point of these questions is to say to the church in Rome, you need to be cultivating a healthy church for the sake of those who have never heard. And, and I would say to us, Kenwood Baptist Church, you need to order everything in your life toward pursuing the glory of God in your life for the sake of the Great Commission. So we got some people in this church, a number of people in this church that just got married this summer. I would say to them, you need to be cultivating a great marriage for the cause of the Great Commission. That doesn't mean you need to go on a mission trip next week. No, build a great foundation so that when the time comes, when the Lord opens a door for you to go overseas, you're really healthy, really strong, in a really good place to go do really good work overseas. Some of you in this church are studying for, at, at the seminary. You, you don't necessarily need to try, go, try to go. Maybe if the Lord opens the door, great. But what you need to do is lay a great foundation of doctrinal understanding so that you're crystal clear, so that you can communicate the gospel in context wherever the Lord puts you when the time comes. It's like Psalm 1. The, 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 the roots are down in the water so that the fruit is born in season. Some of you are professionals in other fields. You know, maybe you got a great friend that came through the doors of Kenwood Baptist Church and was here for a season and you built a great relationship and it ripped your heart out when they went overseas. You got a great opportunity to stay in touch with that person. I, I re-listened and I would commend to you our brother at Emmanuel Baptist Church, Ryan Fullerton. He uh, recently at Southern Seminary, he preached a sermon on how to, how to care for missionaries, uh, sending in a manner worthy of God. Uh, he, he preached from uh, one of the letters of John where uh, John urges the church to send them out in a manner worthy of the God, worthy of the Lord. And he said, he said, if you, this is what he said, if you have a Skype account, you can be an encourager of a missionary. If you have a Skype account, you can do this. If you'll just stay in touch with them, they get so lonely, particularly around the holidays. We, we, we as a church, me as a pastor, I need to repent of the out of sight, out of mind. And I would urge us all to repent and renew our concern for these people. And I would, I would just put before you Philippians chapter 1, I think it's verse 8, where Paul writes to those Philippians. The, the book of the Philippians is kind of a missionary support letter. And he writes to them and he says to them in verse 6, he says, I know that the one who started a good work in you is going to carry it, bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And then he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. And then listen to these words. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's the way we need to love one another. 
That's the way we need to love our brothers and sisters who have gone out from us. I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So you may be somebody here who's never going to go on a mission trip. You may be somebody here who's the, whom, whom the Lord has not called to world missions. But you can, you can love these people. If you've got an inter, internet connection, you can stay in touch with them. You, you can reach out. You can just send them a text and say, I mean, send them that verse. God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ. Can you imagine being being across the seas and somebody from your home church saying that to you, that I think they'd probably start crying on the spot to, to see that on their screen. All the more if it's somebody that they did life with, that they, that they, that they were in a small group with, somebody that walked with them through the difficulties. So I'm pleading with us to cultivate a strong and healthy and interconnected church here for the cause of the nations, for the cause of the gospel, for the unreached, so that we will love our people that we send out, so that we will stay connected to them, so that they can stay healthy, so that they can stay strong. I mean, look at Romans 10, 14. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him of whom they've never heard? If they don't hear, they're never going to believe. And if they don't believe, they're never going to call. And then he goes on. Look at the next statement. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We need to be a church that is absolutely clear that the cause of missions is the cause of preaching the gospel. We need to be a church that understands, and, and we need to be, have people preparing to go to the nations in this church who understand that my job when I go there is to preach the gospel. So what I need to do is I need to get the gospel down. And then I need to believe what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, it pleased God to save by the foolishness of preaching. That's how God gets it done. The proclamation of the word. So we don't want to slip into uh, these things that, that look like ministry activity but do they ever get around to proclaiming the gospel? Are they ever connected to the ministry of a local church? We want to ask these questions. We want to be clear. What people need is the Bible. What unbelievers need is the Bible. Those of you training for missionary, for mission work, what you're training for essentially is cross-cultural church planting. That's what you're training for. And, and if you're not a man, you can't be a pastor, but you can contribute to a cr cross-cultural church plant. And, and we need to get this straight in our That's what the apostles did. That's how they set out to accomplish the Great Commission. They didn't go start coffee shops. They didn't go start schools. I love schools. I love coffee. I got nothing against those things. They didn't go show Jesus films. They went and preached the message. And, and this is how Paul says people are going to hear and then believe and then call. And look at verse 15. How are they to preach unless they are sent? And so maybe you're, maybe you're not called to missions. Maybe you're not called to... Maybe, maybe you're not friends with the people that went out and you feel like it might be awkward. You can send. You can send. You can give. You can give to people that are going from this church to go out. And you know what? You can show up on Wednesday night and 
after Matt's done preaching these fabulous um, um, uh, lessons on uh, God and, and high theology, and it's glorious. You can put your hand up when somebody like me stands up here and says, how can we be praying for one another? And you can say, let's pray for so-and-so on the, on the field. Let's not forget so-and-so on the field. Let's pray for them. You, you, can, you can be the gadfly saying, let's pray for the missionary. We can all be part of this sending. S some of us in this room are proclaimers. You're, you're called, you're gifted, and you need to stay on task. We can't let ourselves get distracted by ESPN and Twitter and Facebook and all this other stuff so that we lose sight of who we are and what we're called to do. And our brothers and sisters in this church can help us stay on task. How are they to hear without someone preaching? Verse 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? Do you see how clear it is that Paul conceives of the work of the Great Commission as the work of preaching? Don't listen to these people who say preaching's out of date. The Apostle Paul didn't think it was out of date. He didn't think we needed a new method, a new strategy. For him... In order for them to hear and believe and call, somebody's got to preach. And for somebody to preach, they got to be sent. And, and we have. This is amazing. It's, it's astonishing that this is all it takes for somebody to be saved, for them to hear the gospel. And then God does this work of giving them the gift of faith. You know, yesterday we went out through the neighborhood, and we knocked on doors, and, and uh, my wife and our two youngest, we, we get back here to the church, and um, one of our neighbors was not very happy to have had a couple of brochures left on his doorstep, and so he, he comes down, and I happen to be sitting in the lobby by myself, and, um, and you know, he, he says, I want to talk to the boss, and I said, well, I'm not the boss, but I'm the pastor, and he said, somebody left this trash at my house, you know, he's shoving it in my face, and I said, uh, I'm sorry, sir, you realize we're trying to help people that are in need, right? And we're just trying to get the word out on something that we're trying to do to benefit the neighborhood. He said, well, I don't want this stuff at my house. And then he tells me his address, and he says, you remember that, and you don't come there again. And then he turns, and he starts to walk off. And I think to myself, what, what Paul says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I said, word of, word of Christ. I said, you know, sir, there's a God in heaven, and he loved the world by sending his son and his son lived the righteous life, and he's just walking. He's getting farther and farther. His son lived the righteous life that we all needed to live. And then his son took the sins of the world on his shoulders, and he was crucified, and he, and he died, and he rose from the dead. And everybody that turns from their sins and trusts in what he's accomplished can be saved. And at that point, you know, he's down the road. And I said, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. And people have been saved in more peculiar circumstances than that. You've heard of Charles Spurgeon's salvation? The guy, the guy's just up there saying, look unto me and be saved. And that's all he's got to say. So he just keeps repeating it. But it finally breaks through. And Spurgeon believes. How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to, to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Uh, this doesn't mean that somehow our feet literally become pretty. What it means is 
People love to see us coming. It's a great thing when somebody arrives to preach the gospel, even if they don't think they want to hear it. If that guy comes to understand the gospel, he will, he will say, as, as you and I say, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Uh, before we continue, let me, let me just summarize what Paul has said to this point. Number one, for the feet to be beautiful, the gospel must be proclaimed, and it must be the truth of the gospel. So we've got to get this straight. It's not by works. It's not by human merit. We, we, we need to be people who have Bible verses in our brain, ready to recite them, ready to communicate them clearly so that we can rightly divide the word of truth so that we can rightly communicate the gospel to people. For the feet to be beautiful, the gospel must be pure. Number two, um, preachers must be sent. And this involves preachers. It involves the preparation of people who can proclaim the gospel. That's, what we're, that's a lot of what we're trying to do here. We have this, this awesome privilege of being a church near a school where a lot of people come to train for ministry. And so those of us who are permanent... We, we need to embrace this privilege and say, we're sending lambs out among the wolves. And we're going to love these lambs with everything we got. We're not going to withhold our hearts from them. We're not going to try to pr protect our lives against the pain that we know we're going to feel when they leave from us. We need to embrace them. And we need to make sure that when they go out from us, they, they are going to be people who have watched their life and doctrine closely. And that means that the locals, the permanent people, we need to have life and doctrine in order so that we can say to these guys training for ministry, here's where I think you're, you, need to, you need to do some work, brother. Here, here's where I think you need to be a little bit more clear. And we got to invest. So there's preaching and there's sending involved. Number three, Do you ever have a situation where you can't read your own handwriting? I have no idea what that word is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, it says it's pro proclamation must, and then I don't know what the word is. Oh, it must happen. That's the word. My H looks like an L. Proclamation must happen. Proclamation must happen. Brothers who are training for ministry here. When you go out, don't let yourself come to a place where you think it's, it's unsophisticated to preach. I don't, I don't care where you go from here. You may go to some place that's really, really prestigious. You may, to go, you may go to some place where they think they're above someone standing and preaching. The proclamation must happen. This is how people believe. Only thus, only if the word is preached, will anyone believe and call and be saved. So here, we need, to, we need to teach the gospel clearly, which is what we're trying to do every week in the pulpit. We also need to support those who are sent out from us. And, and let me just throw this in here as well. It's June. I would encourage you to be thinking toward December. You know what December is? Every, every December, the, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention takes up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which comprises over half 
of the budget of the International Mission Board. And if you don't like some of the things that the Southern Baptist Convention does, give to the Lottie Moon offering. All that money goes to the IMB. It doesn't go anywhere else. It doesn't go anybody that... It doesn't go to anybody in the SBC, not that this might be the case, that you might disagree with. I mean, there might be people out there that you would just, whatever. If you save for the Lottie Moon, save for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Start saving now. And, and I would encourage you to be creative about this. Think in terms of, is there, is there a sacrifice I can start making and just devote that money instead of, I don't know, going to Starbucks Every time I would go and spend five bucks at Starbucks, instead of that, I'm going to devote that money to the IMB. Or, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what it, what it might be for you. But, but we got lots of money in America. Just ask somebody from another culture. Everybody in America is rich. And we can, we can all devote ourselves in some way. And we can, we can give more. In 2015 reported gifts. I mean, you know, there might have been somebody that gave online and it didn't get back to us. But in 2015, our church gave $520 to the Lottie Moon offering. I think that's shameful. 2016, 1800 2017, 3565 We can give a lot. I don't know what it was in 18, 2018. But we can give a lot more to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And I would encourage you to be thinking about it now and start chipping away at it now. And then be mindful of these people on the field. Jen and Amber and Heather and Darren and Katie are going and Tyler and Jenna and Garrett and Lee and Bill and Kelly and Blakely. They, they were prayed for today. Praise God. Be mindful of these people. If you knew them while they're here, think about them. Pay attention. Come on Wednesday night. Learn who's going on a short-term trip. If you're going on a short-term trip, you should be here on Wednesday night. And, and please, if you're going on a short-term trip, come on Wednesday night and say, hey, please pray for me. I'm going to this place at this time. Make us aware of what... Sometimes people go on trips that aren't coming out of the church. We want to be aware of those things. We want to pray for you. We want to be aware. And you know what? I, I would love for our church, for members of our congregation to visit, to go to every one of these people that have, that have gone out from us. And, and several of them, one, two, three, four, four of our units, we might say, no, no, sorry, three, but four, four workers are all in the same country. And I've been invited to go teach in that country. I'd love to take a team of people from Kenwood with me. And we all go to that country together and we all go hang out with them and you may think, what could I do? Just go be a smiling face that will love those people and listen to them. Maybe you're a certified biblical counselor. Maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you're a biblical counselor. Go, let's go. Let's go. And you spend time with that person and you hear their heart and you hear what's going on and maybe you can help them or give them advice about how they're trying to counsel somebody. There's all kinds of ways that we can bless them. We, we're, there, there's a group of people hoping to go to Papua New Guinea. There's a group of... I, I hope that we'll be taking a trip to Central Asia in the near future. We got somebody in Russia. Let's, let's go see them. I think that money is no more an obstacle to us pulling this off than the Red Sea was an obstacle for the people of Israel. The money will be there. Let's go. Let's go love these people and care for them. And then local things that we can be doing. Um, we're having this event on June 30th, 
And this event is about people hearing and believing and calling that they might be saved. This event is about, is about part of this attempt. We're, what we're trying to do, what we ought to be trying to do here is pursue whole life health for the cause of the gospel. So I, I hope you don't hear me saying, I want you to stop exercising so that you can devote yourself. No, you should exercise. Don't hear me saying uh, not to be devoted at work so that you can go. No, be devoted at work. Be devoted to your studies. Be devoted to your marriage. Take care of your kids. Spend time with them. Disciple them. All for the cause of the gospel. So that, so that when the season comes, the fruit will be there. And it'll be ripe and rich and full and good. That, that's the way. And, and what we're doing in this Breaking Free event is trying to address an area that has a lot of people enslaved. So come be a part of it. I hope that in uh, September or maybe October, we'll have another one of these events. Um, we're, we're, we're planning about these things. And, and I'm going to give you a, um, a, a, a series of things that you can do about local outreach, okay? Uh, first, pray. Pray, 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 pray. I'm going to come back to this. But please devote yourself to prayer for this June 30th event. Please devote yourself to prayer that when people that aren't regulars here, people that are visitors, aren't Christians, whatever, when they walk in here, that they will hear the gospel and that God will do the miracle. So pray, pray, and then invite people. Invite them to, to come to this June 30 event, to come to our event in the fall. Invite them have a meal with you? Uh, uh, all kinds of things you can invite them to. Pray, invite, and then Bible. Bible. Try to communicate the scriptures to them. Ask if, hey, can we read the Bible on a regular basis together? Pray in PIB, P-I-B. There's your strategy. Pray, invite, Bible. You're an evangelist. Go to work. Pray, invite, Bible. People get saved by hearing the word. They hear, they believe, they call. Now let me come back to prayer. The first thing we're praying for with respect to lost people is we're praying for God to do the miracle in them that he did in us. So I'm, I got another little silly series of letters for you, sorry. G-U-F-G, goofk. Okay, that's the best I could do. I'm not very clever. Some of you could probably do a lot better than me, but there's goof. Um, there's your mnemonic, G-U-F-G. God, pray for God to do the miracle. That's your G. You, that's the, the letter U, but it's about you. Ask God to give you boldness. Ask God to make you clear. Ask God to give you opportunities. So pray for God to do the miracle, and then pray for you, and if you don't have opportunities, ask the Lord to help you see ways that you can inter intersect with unbelievers. Pray for God to do the miracle, pray for God to do the work in you. Friends, friends, pray for lost friends by name. And if you don't have lost friends, make some. Be a friend. Last night, my uh, family, we had some people into our home, and uh, they're, they think they're Christians. I think they're lost. Um, and um, it was a married lesbian couple. And this was kind of a new thing for, we, we haven't done this before. 
And you know, I, I said, they go to a church. And I said, does your church teach that Jesus is God? Right away. No. No. Doesn't teach it. Uh, really? That's what we talked about. If that gets cleared up, I think everything else that's downstream from that will start to get taken care of. But, but I, I got to be a friend. And I want to be a friend to these ladies. Pray for lost friends by name. Make lost friends. G-U-F-G, goofk. God, pray for God to do the miracle. Pray for God to do the work in you. Pray for lost friends by name. And then pray for the gospel to bear fruit here at Kenwood. Pray for the gospel to bear fruit here at Kenwood and in your life. God, you, friends, gospel. Um, just three quick things you can do. You can start, you can start um, thinking about. Memorize and meditate on Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you don't have that verse memorized, you should memorize it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Meditate on that. And then think about, ponder the wrath of God and the unending eternity of hell. And then love God who deserves to be trusted and love people who need God. That's what we need to do. Um, look with me at Romans 10. Um, we just looked at verse 15. Look at verse 16. Here Paul says, but they've not all, all obeyed the gospel. So um, Paul has been saying, uh, all it takes is for somebody to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and then call on the name of the Lord. And now he's raised this question of what about these people who, who heard and they didn't believe? And it's interesting, the word for, the word for um, obeyed there is a word that has hearing in it. Because in, in Hebrew and in Greek, to hear is to obey. And so they've not all heard. They've heard, but they haven't heard. You see what I'm saying? They've heard the gospel, but they haven't heard in the sense that they obeyed it. So Paul is acknowledging now, some of my Jewish kinsmen, they heard the gospel and they didn't obey it. And now what he's going to do is he's going to explain this from the Old Testament. So this is, the resu this is resulting in my sermon title, Faith Comes by Hearing, Except in the Case of Prophesied Unbelief. So the Old Testament prophesies that some of these people aren't going to believe. So he first quotes uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1, which we started with in our call to worship, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And this is, this is Isaiah saying, I'm proclaiming the word, and these people are hearing and they're not believing what I'm saying. And then, and then Paul comes back and he explains in verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So he, he maintains the point, even though there are these exceptions, these people whose unbelief, God knows they're not going to believe, and ultimately, ultimately, the divine sovereignty side of the equation, the equation is they don't believe because God didn't set his love on them before the foundation of the world. But we don't know who those people are. And, and the way for us to respond to that is, well, I need to proclaim the gospel because only by hearing and believing will people obey. And I sh myself should believe the gospel. That's, that's the, I mean, yellow stripes aren't painted on the backs of the elect. So we got to proclaim the gospel to everybody. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And now he's going to back up and go back to this. Well, what about these Israelites who didn't believe? Verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? So it's like he affirms, okay, faith comes from hearing. Well, did they hear? Yes, indeed, they heard. They heard. And then he quotes um, Psalm 19. Paul knows Psalm 19. He knows that Psalm 19, this part of Psalm 19, is about general revelation. And he's using the, the, gen, the message of general revelation. He, he knows that's, a, that's what this is about. But he's, he's using this language to talk about the special revelation of the gospel. And, and what he's describing here is the way that the message of the gospel has gone out, just like the message of general revelation. Their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. So the gospel has gone out. They've heard. And then verse 19, but I ask, did Israel not understand? And now he's going to quote two passages, one from Deuteronomy and one from Isaiah, to explain that God said in the Old Testament that Israel would not understand. They would not believe and obey. So the first one is, is Deuteronomy 32, verse 21, the passage that was read earlier in the service. I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. And, and Moses is telling Israel, you're going you're to provoke God to jealousy. And so what he's going to do is he's going to pour out his love to these people who aren't even a nation at all. And the point of that is to provoke you to jealousy, to make you say, hey, wait a minute, that's my Messiah. Those are my promises. That's my covenant, Lord. And then you want in on it. That's, that's, the, that's the design. So that's Deuteronomy 32. And then in verse 20, then Isaiah is so bold as to say, and then he quotes Isaiah 65, 1 first, and then in the next verse, he quotes Isaiah 65, verse 2. Now, I want to I want you to put your finger here in Romans 10 and turn with me back to Isaiah 65. And I, I want to draw, draw your attention to several features of this passage because I think that Isaiah 64 and 65 have profoundly affected Paul's whole flow of thought through Romans 9 and 10 here. So if you've turned back to Isaiah 64, look at verse 7. Isaiah is talking about Israel. And he, look at what he says in Isaiah 64, 7. There is no one who calls upon your name. So Isaiah is indicting his contemporaries for not calling upon the name of the Lord. And that's Romans 10, 13, isn't it? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he continues, Isaiah does. Look at verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. You remember Romans 9? Um, who are you, O oh man, to answer God? Will the clay, or will, will what is formed say to the one who formed him? It's the whole clay and potter thing that, that, that's informing, you know, this passage is informing Paul there in Romans 9, verses 20 and 21. And then um, we keep reading here, and, and the end of, notice how Isaiah 64, 8, now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. And so this is, Isaiah is speaking on behalf of the nation, and he goes on to talk about how the nation is suffering God's wrath against the temple and Jerusalem. And then the Lord answers in 65.1. And when he says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me, I think he's talking about the Israelites. The Isra he's not talking about, I don't think he's talking about Gentiles. 
Some people think he's talking about Gentiles. I think, I think he's talking about Israelites. And he's saying, essentially, look, the Israelites weren't looking for me any more than the Gentiles are looking for me. And I was ready to be sought by these Israelites who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me, the Israelites. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation. And then I, I don't know why they do it this way, but the, the, in my opinion, the footnote of Isaiah 65.1 has the right reading. A nation, if you look down in the lower margin on your footnote there, that did not call upon my name. I think that's the right reading, and uh, we could talk about that. But anyway, um, did not call, the nation did not call upon my name. There's Romans 10.13 again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Israel's not saved because they're not calling on the name of the Lord. And then 65.2 is just continuing this. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people. The Israelites, the Jews, who walk in a way that is not good. So Paul quotes Moses saying, look, Israel's going to disobey and they're going to break the covenant and God's going to make them jealous with Gentiles. And then he quotes Isaiah, who's really just speaking in the same vein that Moses was speaking in. So Romans 10, Paul says, I asked, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Our response to that should be, we don't want to be like that, right? We want to hear the call that goes out and come. So I'm going to close by reading from Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear, that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it spring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Oh, Father, you are good and you do good. Lord, would you help us to devote ourselves to the, the great task that you've given to us? 
Would you make our hearts respond to the enormity of the task with confidence that that this is nothing to you? The nations are as a drop in the bucket. And people's unbelief, it's easier than the walls of Jericho. And Lord, would you cause us to feel a yearning for our brothers and sisters that is the the affection of Christ himself. And Lord, cause us to, to walk in this. Make us consistent. Make us attentive and thoughtful. And Lord, we also pray that you'd build up our marriages and help us to have healthy bodies and help us to have good relationships and bless and prosper us at work and help us to think rightly about our entertainment and our leisure and our vacations. And Lord, help us to point all of these things toward the great cause. Make us a church, Lord. For Christ's sake, amen.